is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin tonight. He'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, God willing, the crick don't rise. But if I had to pick one night to be on talk radio with this wonderful Mark Levin platform, it might be tonight. With everything going on, it's incredible to watch the reaction beginning with Friday night to the speech in Alabama through yesterday, through tonight. What's happening in this country is something that I think is a tremendously good thing for average Americans who can now recognize who the enemies are, who the good people are, where the normal people are, where the abnormal people are. Before I get into this, I know this may be a fool's errand that uh, I will feel bad having undertaken. But I want to talk with you briefly as a former assistant attorney general, former federal law clerk, a lawyer, what is the First Amendment? Because the clowns, the fools, the miscreants, and the dissidents that I see on CNN and MSESPN, and MSNBC, that talk about freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, that the NFL players have the right to assemble, they have the right to speak. I guess they have the right to practice their religion at halftime or during uh, during a game. I guess they do, according to the pundits. May I state, first, fast, and factually, that the First Amendment does not apply to private employers. If Richard Cementa, the Steven Spielberg of the Mark Levin Show, would have a side business, say a courier in New York City. It was the Cementa Courier Service delivering packages. And if someone showed up with a package for you in New York City, in Memphis, in Los Angeles, in Hawaii, from the Cementa Courier Service and said, here's your package, sir, but let's you and I talk about global warming. If I would go out to, uh, to uh, Red Lobster, I love their flaky biscuits, and I would order my endless shrimp uh, tomorrow night, when I get off the air, and then the server would come up to me and said, you know what, let's talk about North Korea. Here's some literature I want you to consider. Each of their employers would have the right, maybe the duty, to tell that employee, haven't been warned once, you can't do that at work. Your freedom to speak does not go with you into a private employment situation. Never has, never will, and it doesn't. It does not apply. The First Amendment has no application to private employment of whatever type. I've memorized the First Amendment because of my requirements to get my Juris Doctorate degree. Congress shall make no law. May I say again? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That has nothing to do with the national Football League, zero zilch nada, or your private employer. Wherever you work, if you're a truck driver, if you're a server, if you're a pharmaceutical salesman, if you're a warehouseman, if you're a housewife or a house husband, whatever you do in your life, you cannot at work engage in whatever freedom of form of speech that you desire to be applicable, nor can you practice your religion at work in your uniform. When FedEx delivers to you a package, or at Walmart, the greeter who welcomes you to Walmart. That Walmart greeter does not have the constitutional right to start shouting about what it's like to be a Jew or a Gentile or a Catholic or a Protestant or a Scientologist or a Hebrew or a Sikh. You don't have that right at work 
because the First Amendment deals with government action, not private employer action. So please, can the fools and the clowns and the miscreants, the punditry on television and in print, quit talking about the NFL players' rights to freedom of speech? It does not apply. Zero, zilch, nada, never has, and never will. Secondly, I'll say this. For a long time, the ownership of the National Football League, some call it the National Felon League, have prohibited all kinds of expression by players directly and indirectly. The Dallas Cowboys, last year, Jerry Jones, last year wanted to have a decal on the side of their helmet that talked about and gave respect to the five Dallas police officers murdered in cold blood by devotees of Black Lives Matter. Now, they asked the National Felon League or the National Football League, can we put a small decal on the helmet for a game or two honoring those five dead cops? Roger Goodell, the son of a very liberal U.S. senator from New York named Charles Goodell, said no. He said we cannot allow our uniforms or stadiums to be used to advance any political cause. On, in, uh, on 9-11 of the year 2016, about a year ago, Tennessee linebacker Avery Williamson wanted to honor 9-11 victims by wearing a patch that said, never forget. The NFL said no. So the NFL said no to any political cause honoring dead cops, no to 9-11 survivors. It gets worse. R.G. Robert Griffin III wore a T-shirt at a post-game news conference that said, quote, no Jesus, no peace. No is spelled K-N-O-W, by the way. No Jesus, no peace. NFL fined him for wearing a T-shirt. It goes on and on and on. William Gay, a Steelers linebacker, wanted to wear purple cleats, which he said would bring awareness to victims of domestic violence because his mother had the crap beat out of her on a regular basis. All those things were turned down by the National Felon League because the league decided that we have rules against political causes of one type or another. So how in the world, how in the Hades is it possible for the National Football League last year to allow Colin Kaepernick to begin this protest against police brutality in support of Black Lives Matter is beyond me. The rule book is clear, if I may share it with you. Rule book says on page 62 of the league's game operation manual, quote, the national anthem must be played prior to every NFL game. And all players must be on the sideline for the national anthem. Did you hear the word must a couple times? Must. During the national anthem, players on the field and bench should stand at attention, face the flag, hold helmets in their left hand, and refrain from talking. The home team must ensure that the American flag is in good order. It should be pointed out to the players and coaches that we continue to be judged by the public in this area of respect for the flag and for our country. This is from the manual. Failure to be on the field by the start of the national anthem may result in discipline such as fines, suspensions, forfeiture of draft choices, violations of the above. So the NFL has a specific rule that says you must be on the field, Pittsburgh Steelers, Oakland Raiders, Tennessee Titans, Baltimore Ravens. You must be on the field, and you have to act in a certain way. And they have no specific rule on supporting cops or supporting the victims of 9-11, or supporting Jesus Christ. But they eliminated all those 
from considerations by players because they did not want to become ensnarled in politics. Wise move. So last year when Colin Kaepernick started the protest that has now flowered with hundreds of players, the NFL had a clear opportunity. Roger Goodell had a clear opportunity to say to Colin Kaepernick, Colin, look at it this way. Look at the number of things we have said we can't do. We can't honor dead cops. We can't honor Jesus Christ. We can't honor the victims of 9-11. I understand your cause is police brutality and racial inequality, but like these other causes that players want to promote, where does it end? He should say, Colin Kaepernick, many players are against domestic violence. Some engage in it. We don't encourage pro or con any of that stuff. Global warming, war with North Korea, Iraq, Iran, whatever, the sea level is rising, the winds, whatever the cause is, abortion rights. We can't be a league that uh, picks and chooses which causes we're going to support and which causes we oppose. That was the conversation Roger Goodell should have had, but he didn't have it. And now, because of the Trumpster's comments on Friday, and I didn't like him using the SOB term, SOBs, that's not good. It references one's mother. That's never good. But having said that, there is a differential between one's opposition to the president on one hand, and on the other hand, the national anthem, the American flag, and the greatness of our country. Completely different. I went through eight years of disliking the policies of Barack Hussein Obama. Some of the policies, I absolutely hated the policies. But at no point did I say, because of Obama's policies, like your plan, keep your plan, IRS being weaponized to attack conservatives, his frequent meetings with Black Lives Matter activists in the White House after the murder of cops, I hated all that. Insurance, uh, keep your insurance, uh, premiums are going to go down, families will be... Uh, all the lies that he told, at no point did I transfer my hatred and or dislike for the policies of George Soros implemented by Barack Hussein Obama that would cause me, on the other side of the fence, to disrespect the country, the flag, the national anthem, or symbols of America's greatness. The two things are completely different. The NFL players, being somewhat stupid, took the bait of Donald J. Trump. Hook, line, and sinker. And what the NFL now done has done is uh, alienate about 70% of their audience. I don't know what percentage go to the NFL games who voted for the Trumpster, but I would say at least 50 and maybe 60 or 70% uh, are now offended by the behavior of NFL players. How do you exist in a business? ESPN is finding this. The Emmys ratings are finding this out. Stephen Colbert's ratings are finding this out. Hollywood movies are finding this out. When you alienate 50% of the country against your cause. Football ought to be an occasion to come together, disregard the racial problems, the ethnicity problems, the religious problems, the political differences, and come together and for a minute and ten seconds listen to the national anthem and be one as Americans. But the NFL has purposely made the choice to get involved in politics when last year Colin Kaepernick was permitted to continue a protest in favor of Black Lives Matter and against police brutality. And he did the, and the NFL did that knowingly and purposely. And now that it's coming back to bite him in the butt, the NFL is blaming everyone but themselves for their own misconduct. Should Trump have spoken as he spoke Friday night? SOB I had a problem with, but the rest of it was fine. The president's got the right to freedom of speech also, because he is the president. But employees in an employment context do not have First Amendment 
constitutional protections. Never have, don't now, and never will. So we're left now in a circumstance where the NFL is going to take one heck of a hit. Ratings going to go down. I do not want to be part of a protest that somehow favors Black Lives Matter. I do not want to pay my cable bill, and I do not want to go to an NFL game when a protest breaks out, and I'm unwittingly standing there silently watching a political protest that I disagree with. I don't like that. And when these national anthem is played, I might look at the flag, then I look to the sidelines. And when the players got the black fist up, and I'm paying for that, directly or indirectly through my cable bill or through the admissions taxes and the fees to go into ticket prices to watch an NFL game, I want no part of it. Don't want it. I can watch baseball, and if baseball, the one catcher for the Oakland A's is doing it, then I'm going to watch basketball. And if Steph Curry and the King LeBron James does it, I'm going to watch NASCAR, who seems to be okay with it, or in the NHL, which appears to be with it. I will not pay for a protest against sworn police officers who are the thin blue line between democracy and anarchy. I won't do it. I want to get your reaction. As always, the number, Mark Levin Show, what a great platform, is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We have five lines open if you call now. Where do you stand on this issue? Have you had it up to here with the National Felon League, the No Foot and the No Fun League, the National Football League, in which they pick and choose the causes they want to promote? They will not promote the idea that cops were wrongfully killed in Dallas by Black Lives Matter protesters. They will not promote the fact that Jesus Christ was being promoted by Robert Griffin III. They do not want to oppose domestic violence. What they want to promote is the idea of police brutality that the cops, NYPD, and the cops all over the country somehow are racist pigs who look to hurt and kill black men whenever they can, when statistically, factually, that is a provable, damnable lie. And we know it's a lie. Let's continue with your calls at 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Listen up, my fellow Americans. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, get a full week free. I love the word free right now and try it out. Give them a call today at 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV and join the media revolution today. Let's check something out on the other side of the coin to see how, how regular order has been maintained by the mainstream media when it comes to the Trumpster and what happened Friday night, what happened in Charlottesville. Uh, I saved, under date of uh, July 14th, 2016, what, about uh, 14 months ago, a column in, in, the, um, in the Washington Times about Barack Hussein Obama inviting insiders of cop killers to the White House. So I looked at this. You might recall in the first part of July of 2016, there was a Black Lives Matter protest underway in the great city of Dallas. And during that protest, a black nationalist murderer named Micah Xavier Johnson killed in cold blood five police officers. And Micah Xavier Johnson was one of the protesters with Black Lives Matter. He was so incentivized and encouraged by the rhetoric at the so-called protest that what he did was murder five in uniform Dallas cops, which was horrendous. Uh, the one woman who was killed in Charlottesville, horrendous. 
horrendous. Yet, after Obama went to the funeral of those five cops, he hosted a, two days after that funeral the individuals who were the founders of Black Lives Matter. He hosted them in the White House. One of them, DeRay McKesson, sent out tweets and also sent out pics uh, of the president uh, with DeRay McKesson, Brittany uh, Packnett, and Micah Grimm. Now, who's Micah Grimm? He was one of the organizers of Black Lives Matter in St. Paul, Minnesota, that injured during riots 21 police officers in St. Paul, Minnesota, and someone from a railroad overpass dropped a chunk of concrete that snapped the back of a police officer who's now in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And so within seven days, a Black Lives Matter protest causing Micah Xavier Johnson to murder in cold blood five Dallas cops, President Barack Hussein Obama was in the White House with the organizers of Black Lives Matter. And at no point did the media last July ever criticize, go after Obama for doing what he did. Not one time did you hear a peep out of the mainstream media. It didn't happen because the media supports the causes of Black Lives Matter. At no point did Obama condemn BLM. In fact, having not condemned them, Obama invited them to the White House. What would have happened if after Charlottesville, what would have happened if Trump had invited white supremacists to the White House? All hell would have broken loose. Can you see the analogy and why it fails? Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. When one kind, we got to get to the calls, thousands on hold, calls from Bronx and Kingsport and Queens and Virginia Beach and, and Arkansas. we got to get millions are listening on this Mark Levin platform. Before I get to the calls, spend one or two moments with me. When you think of the foundations that undergird our society and civilization, whether it's family or faith, one of the building blocks of all of society is law enforcement. Imagine what happens in some sort of a riot or a police uh, slowdown or something of that character when there's no cops on the street. All hell breaks loose within one or two days. It's over as we know it. Because without cops, there's a thin blue line between civilization and anarchy. And the cops form that very thin blue line in the middle. If it was announced uh, tonight that all law enforcement in uh, Texas... Iowa, New York, Ohio, Florida, and California will go on a 48-hour strike, and there'll be no law enforcement. Believe me, it'll be escape escape from New York. All hell's going to break loose. Arsons, looting, rapes, robberies, murders, and protests. Cops are that thin blue line between civilization on one hand and anarchy on the other. Cops, they must be supported, not individually every time. Right now, between you and me, we have the best police forces, the best trained, the best prepared, the most motivated in the history of the country. You're listening to a man who spent years in the Hamilton County, Ohio, Cincinnati Public Defender's Office. In the 70s and 80s, it was not uncommon for my clients in lockup in the morning to be beaten up by cops. 70s and 80s. It was not unusual to have knives or guns planted on them, they told me so, by cops. 30, 40 years ago, yes. But the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a metamorphosis of police officers, mainly in urban areas controlled by what political party? Correct. 
Democrats control almost every urban area in America today, bar none. I don't know if there's a large city controlled by a Republican mayor and a Republican city council. So the Democrats, much like they were in charge of the Ku Klux Klan and lynchings and Jim Crow, those are the Democratic Party ideals, controls all the large cities in America politically. And they go through all the training of police officers. Right now, no matter what city you're in, we have the best cops, the best trained, the most motivated, the best equipped in the history of the country, not even close. We got the best cops ever. So when we had a president for eight years who slept with the dogs of Black Lives Matter, he woke up with fleas every morning. It was so bad, he's inviting the insiders of cop killers into the White House, which Obama did on a regular basis. I told Richard Semena, the producer of the Mark Levin Show, if you have time, Google Black Lives Matter slash White House and look at the number of visits inside the White House where the president brought in those who incited the murder of cops on a regular basis for a long period of time. How is it possible the media never questioned Obama whatsoever and condemned? Why didn't Obama condemn Black Lives Matter? He didn't condemn them. He ate dinner with them. He had breakfast with them. He invited them to the White House. Delray McKesson, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, whose rhetoric encouraged the murder of cops, is now employed by Baltimore City Schools for $150,000 a year as a, quote, outreach coordinator, whatever the hell that is, an outreach coordinator. And so these cops, if you're a cop today, and you institutionally are well-trained, the last thing you want to do is commit violence against the black male. Every independent study conducted in the past 10 years demonstrates and proves there is no systemic violence in America against black males anymore. It did exist. But every study, in fact, you may recall that when Obama and Eric Holder took office, they uh, paid a Harvard University expert millions and millions of dollars, spent 18 months on the project of proving what they believe to be true, that cops target black males. And if these cops are targeting black males, it is Democrats controlling the cops targeting black males. Democrats in the major cities, they're all Democrats. And after 18 months, a study that was uh, excerpted in the uh, in the Washington Post, then supported by the New York Times, not exactly conservative publications, found that if you that, that if you're white, you're twice as likely to be shot by a cop than if you're black, and that there is no systemic violence against black males, as found by the United States Department of Justice under Eric Holder, as found by Harvard, as found by the Washington Post and the New York Times. Now that did not receive very much whatsoever media coverage because it didn't fit the bias, did it? It didn't fit the prejudice. So, yes, there was a column or two about it, Google, Washington Post, uh, racial studies, and it's all right there, laid it out. In fact, the Harvard professor who conducted the study said, I was shocked at the outcome, shocked, because I have a prejudice against cops, and my prejudice was not confirmed by st statistical relevant evidence. The facts did not fit my opinion, therefore I disregard the facts, and I go with my opinion. Now, in that climate, you would have thought that Barack Hussein Obama, having had in his hand the study refuting the allegations of BLM and Al Sharpton, 
would have held a news conference, used the bully pulpit, and talk about it, saying, look, these are the facts that has been thoroughly in, thoroughly investigated by Harvard. These are the facts. It doesn't happen. And if it does happen, Democrats are in charge of the violence. Dallas, in the city of Dallas, you can't find a Republican in the municipal area with a search warrant. During a Black Lives Matter protest, five cops are killed. The president invites in the leaders of Black Lives Matter who incited the murder of cops. Jump ahead to Charlottesville about six weeks ago. Terrible deed by that white supremacist who killed that one woman. Well, her name was Hire, I think. Killed one woman. What if the president, Trump, would have taken the lead of President Obama and invited the organizers of the white supremacist group in Charlottesville? What if within a week he invited them to the White House? That Spencer dude. What if he said, come on to the White House? That's the same thing Obama did. But the media didn't cover it. At no point during his presidency did Barack Hussein Obama condemn the insiders of cop killers. In fact, instead of slandering, instead of criticizing, he supported them and made sure they were funded through George Soros groups who continue to fund the unrest in America. It goes on as we speak. I can't take it anymore. And DeRay McKesson is getting at least $150,000 a year as a human resource officer in the Baltimore School District. Are you kidding me? It's incredible. So all I'm saying is this, that when the National Football League says to uh, Robert Griffin III, you can't have a reference to Jesus on a T-shirt, to the Dallas Cowboys, you can't put a decal on a helmet honoring the dead Dallas cops because that is political, but they allow the protest of Colin Kaepernick, et cetera, to continue, that is an outrage. In fact, sent to me by Richard Semena is the following, which is NFL rules. And here we go. NFL, one of the NFL rules states that, about what the players can do. It says, among other things, uh, let me see here. here. Here we go. The specific NFL rule pertaining to the national anthem is found on page zones. It should be pointed out the players. You know, we continue. Let's continue. In fact, throughout the period on game day, that a player is visible to the stadium and television audiences, including pregame warm-ups, in the bench area and during post-game interviews, in the locker room or on the field. Players are prohibited from wearing, displaying, or otherwise conveying personal messages, either in writing or illustration, unless such message is approved in advance by the league office. It was not approved in advance by the league office. And they did display a personal anti-cop anti-American message that was ignored by the National Football League. So Trump has thrust himself into the middle of this, and I would rather have the president deal with Obamacare, deal with taxes, deal with North Korea. That motivates me a lot more than this, because North Korea, Obamacare repeal, and taxes influences and affects my life. I don't have to watch a National Football League game the rest of my life and I'll be fine. But I need health care. Well, I like to keep some of my own money and don't want to be nuked by North Korea. But having injected himself, the National Football League took the bait. And now they're going to go the same route down the tubes as other institutions have gone who criticize Donald J. Trump. And it's going to go on and on and on. Let's continue with their calls. And when we continue, we'll take your calls at 
Tim Tebow honoring God, no good. The black fist, a black separatist, anti-cop hatred, that's fine with us. In fact, NFL owners, Jacksonville Jaguar owner in London, stood with his players arm to arm in a political message conveyed by their presence and the way they performed. And in fact, the most radical teams in the league, the Oakland Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers all lost because their focus wasn't on the game, it was on politics. Let's continue. If you're a normal, God-fearing American, I want to get your reaction to what's going on and how as normal Americans we try to overcome this. It is ridiculous. The National Football League has taken the bait. Now they swallowed a hook, line, and sinker down to their bowels, and they got a major problem. Fool, you think it's over? It has just begun. Because over the next week or two or three, these protests will continue. What happens in a week or two when the National or American League baseball playoffs begin? I don't think the players in baseball come on the field and stand during the National Anthem. But what happens in the LCS if maybe the Yankees, who might be playing, I don't know, the Red Sox, Take a knee during the National Anthem, and then all hell breaks loose. And it will. The issue is this. Sports should not be a venture which communicates the most radical elements of the progressive left-wing agenda to undermine cops, to bring chaos, which would result in some sort of socialist haven. Much like the Confederate monuments being torn down, or Mount Rushmore being exploded, or Stone Mountain. It is not about that. It's about calling the founders of this country white supremacists so that the document they wrote is demeaned and demented and thrown out, and therefore a socialistic manifesto will rule the land. And we're going to be looking like Detroit. We'll look like South Central L.A. or, or, or the south side of Chicago. And if the democratic philosophies have been so great, why have they not been implemented in the city of Baltimore or in the south side of Chicago or in South Central L.A. or Harlem, if things are so great in these democratic societies, why haven't their theories worked to this point? In fact, everyone I speak to in those communities look for ways out. They don't, they don't look to move in. They look ways to move out. Every time a Democrat has been in charge of an area for 40, 50, 60 years, you get Detroit, the south side of Chicago, you get Harlem. You can't go to the schools, there's no jobs available, crime is rampant, and there's no family formation. That is what causes poverty, not some design of some multinational company to take away customers who have money to buy their products. What happens is the longer the Democrats are in charge of an organization or group, the worse it becomes, the more debauchery that reigns, and the worse the lives become for the children. Imagine being on the south side of Chicago. Over this past weekend, there were 40 black men shot by 40 other black men. Now, how much outrage do the NFL players have about that? Why don't they have an inner-city manifesto? Why don't the black players in the NFL say, you know what, we're going to focus on, as a group, helping the lives of black children living in the top 20 urban areas of America who have lousy schools, no jobs, debaucherous misbehavior, crime and prostitution is everywhere, and everybody wants out, given a choice. Everyone in the south side of Chicago wants to move up by Wrigley Field. If you're in Harlem, you want to get to Manhattan. If you're in the south side of south central L.A., you want to get out to Brentwood. You want to get out, and you want to get out because... There's no family formation. Crime is rampant. You want to get out because there's no jobs, and the schools suck, and you want to get out. 
Now, why can't the black players in the NFL say, look what we've done to be successful? We're millionaires. We worked hard. We worked smart. We were committed. And we, in our profession, we've risen to the top, and we're worth millions of dollars. And what if they would say, I'm not going to attack cops. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to care about what Trump says. That's not relatable to the flag or the country. What I want to have is a black urban agenda that improves the lives of average black kids who are suffering greatly under Democratic control. Now, that agenda, Mark Levin and I would love to participate in and help. But the fact of the matter is, it is a cheap thrill for them to be clubbish, to be part of the group, to act as if what they're saying is important and that they're relevant, when, in fact, what they're doing is harmful to the black community and harmful to the country. May God bless America. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, The Great American Inn, for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. And uh, I'm going to take all your calls. We have calls from the Bronx and Kingsport, uh, Tennessee, and Queens, and Virginia Beach, and Ann Arbor, where uh, Michigan did a great job against Purdue. One last thought. The national media does not live in flyover territory. I'm broadcasting to you tonight from Cincinnati, Ohio, which is in, shall we say, flyover territory. The National Felon League has no idea what average Americans think because they live in the bubble. The, the leaders of the Manhattan-based NFL does not know what people in the Bronx or Queens or Staten Island think about whatsoever. And the elites that represent USA Today newspaper, I'm looking at a column this morning written by uh, Nancy Armour. The headline is, NFL comes, for a, comes together for a powerful day. First sentence is, the scenes and the statements were extraordinary. The NFL had one of its finest moments before the games even began Sunday, coming together from every corner, players and coaches, owners and league officials, in forceful rebuke of the latest torrent of hate from President Trump. Whether black, white, or brown, on bended knee, or with locked arms, the NFL's rare show of unity was both a dignified condemnation of the wrongs we still must right and a reminder that for all of our differences, America remains our common ground. Are you kidding me? Hate. Hate occurs when a president invites to the White House cop killers incentivized by the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter, which is what Obama did time after time after time again, lunching and dining with DeRay McKesson and the founders of Black Lives Matter, who said, what do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? That is hate. Hate is not remarking in Alabama that it's a bad idea for the NFL to allow racial provocateurs to raise the black fist and, and not to show honor to America. Compare those two. On one side of the fence, Obama invites inciters of cop killers to the White House. On the other side of the fence, Trump spoke to average Americans about what he sees on television. One is hate and the other's love. You decide which is which. Let's continue with more. Bill Cunningham, the great American. I'm going to shut the heck up on the other side. Bill Cunningham, in for Mark Levin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Let's continue now with your calls, as I promised to the American people that I've served so well and loved so long. Let's continue first with Debbie and Ann Arbor, who, of course, Michigan beat up on Purdue on Saturday. Debbie, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Debbie, please go ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call, Bill. I just was calling. I made the, the point of that the one um, Pittsburgh um, Steelers player who was a, um Afghan-Iraq War veteran stood out and honored his flag and and, you know, so for all those patriots out there, and it just, you know, broke my heart to see him and, and knowing, you know, all the sacrifices that he himself did for our country and that none of, none of the players were out there to support him. No, no. You know, and I'm from a military family and it just, it, it just breaks my heart not to see these other, um, players not respect their fellow you know, military person who served, they, they don't even respect him, and then he gets ostracized by the coach for not sticking with the team. Well, what <laughs> happened is Mike Tomlin is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He got on Alejandro Villanueva because Villanueva, who has served three tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan, did not feel comfortable in staying in the tunnel. And Tomlin, the head football coach, goes after Villanueva, and that is the one guy in the NFL – who ought to be listened to when it comes to respect for the American flag and for American traditions, because his comrades were killed in Afghanistan and Iraq, and when it came time for their bodies to come home, their flag-draped coffins came off C-5A transports. Some were buried, of course, at Arlington, and Villanueva now has been ostracized by the Pittsburgh Steelers as if he's done something wrong, and not the other 44 players who didn't come in the tunnel. But to his credit, Ben Roethlisberger, the leader of the Steelers about two hours ago, came out saying, you know what, I was up all night, I don't feel good about this. I don't like it. And so I hope this coming Sunday and maybe Thursday night, if there are games, that the NFL players will come to their senses and recognize that even though you may disagree with Trump and his policies, that has nothing to do with the sacrifice of average and great Americans to make this country the shining city on the hill. For eight years, I didn't care much at all for Obama and his policies, but at no point that I disrespect the American flag because of Obama and the fools and the clowns and the National Felon League took the bait of Donald Trump and they're going to go right to the bottom of the ocean, take their sport down the tubes. Now, what do you think about Villanueva? His jersey's the number one seller in the NFL right now. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. And, again, it uh, tears to my eyes when I saw him standing honoring the flag. I mean, that is, you know, what the military, they, that's what they fight for. And then, it, you know, and again, then Pittsburgh loses because you're, you're right. Of course. They weren't focused on the game. They were focused on their stupid, you know, you know well, well, Debbie, stuff. Oakland. Oakland's another radical hotbed. How'd they do? Oakland gets beat. The Ravens get beat. And Pittsburgh gets beat. They deserved it. I hope they get beaten more. Let's continue now. We have John in Virginia Beach, Virginia. John, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by Bill Cunningham tonight. Please go ahead. Hi, Bill. The point I wanted to make is that it's the whole thing is ludicrous. Nobody's saying that the players can't protest. 
They're saying do it on your time and on your dime. Now, imagine if you would the lunacy of everybody having the right to do free speech, whatever they want, air traffic control. You know, planes coming in for landing, and the air traffic control ties up the net with a uh, diatribe about how we need to cut back on air travel because of global warming. (laughs) Or a sportscaster. It's fourth and goal. Four seconds left on the clock. The winner of the game goes to the Super Bowl. The loser goes home. And they're just a short seven yards away on the field. And that seven yards is maintained by dreamers. I know a lot of you people don't know that, but there are very hardworking people who are concerned about their future. And that's the ball game. Please stay tuned after the commercials. We will have the highlights when we come back. How long would that sportscaster be employed? Exactly. Somebody's serving you food at, uh, at, at Bob Evans. Bob Evans restaurants, and they want to talk to you about global warming before you put your order in for two eggs over easy and flat sausage and some hash browns on the side with butter toast. But by the way, are you aware of what global warming does to this to, to this nation? I'd look up and say, know your role and shut your mouth. And to the NFL, I may get up and leave a Red Lobster if I don't like what the server's telling to me about abortion. But if I paid my cable bill and I pay my money to watch a National Football League game on television, or I go on in the stadium and spend hundreds of bucks, I don't want to be preached to by those protesting a policy and protesting cops who generally I support completely. I, in a sense, I'm paying for their protest. Yeah, that's, that's totally unacceptable. All right, let's continue with more. We have Michael and Queens. Michael and Queens, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Michael and Queens, please go ahead. Michael, how are you? Michael, go ahead. I have, I have, how you doing, Ms. Cunningham? I have Good. a message for the NFL. Why don't you tell the kids that spend their birthday on their father's graves with their mother because the last thing that she was handed to was that flag? Why don't you spend it with the brother that was deployed that doesn't have a family man, a family member to receive that flag that while he's on overseas fighting for your freedom to play football, he's handed a flag? Why don't you tell those family members? Tell them. Tell them that you're protesting being oppressed while you're making $2.5, a year from this great country. You know, Michael, I'm watching Fox News this afternoon, four or five hours ago, and they had a Gold Star mother on who had in her lap placed an American flag by a military major at Arlington. Her son was killed in Iraq about six years ago. And, and she says that flag is something I was going to get framed but I decided I want to hold the American flag and keep it at my bedside. And she said, every night before I go to bed, I take that folded American flag and put it on my chest. And I go to sleep with the memories of my son and the sacrifice he made for this country. And I go to sleep, in a sense, under the American flag that I hold. It's getting old. It gets wet in the morning because of the tears that that, that water my memories of my son. And she said, when I see the American flag unfurled on an NFL field, it reminds me of my son's funeral and the last telephone call I had with him three days before his death. And when that major knelt down before me and handed me the American flag that I hold to my breast every night when I go to sleep. Now, that woman has the right to watch a National Football League game and watch that American flag being honored by the overpaid football players who kick and catch and run with a pigskin. 
that they don't understand. I, I think in flyover country, and I, and I did television in New York for five years. I understand the people of Queens and Staten Island. I understand the people of the Bronx. And I'm telling you right now, those are among the best people in the world. And so what you're saying about the American flag, that American flag is held by tens of thousands of mothers and fathers whose sons or daughters were killed in the pursuit of freedom and the pursuit of patriotism. And when they see the flag unfurled somewhere and someone is disrespecting it, someone is spitting on it, someone is destroying it or burning it, someone is showing it disrespect, it causes them such anger that they can't watch that game in the future because of the memories, the bad memories those so-called protests convey to them. So what do you say? What do you say, Michael, to the mother holding the American flag as she goes to bed every night that these rich, overplayed athletes, Tom Brady included, and until a few hours ago, Ben Roethlisberger, were disrespecting the flag that she holds every night in honor of her dead son? What do you say to that mother? I, I Personally, I'd kiss her on the hand and say, hopefully the country heals. There's, what else can you say? There's nothing you could say to her. Nothing. nothing. Zero. You got. You got nothing. And to and to millions of Americans, the thoughts expressed by that woman on Fox a few hours ago is exactly the same feelings that you have and that I have and most of the people I know have about that flag that flies at Arlington that represents the greatness. Is it a perfect country? Are there racist cops every now and then? Yes. But those who arrest the racist cops are the cops themselves. When you had the murder in South Charleston, uh, South Carolina, the cops who charged him with murder, and he's been convicted of murder, are other cops. In Chicago, Illinois, when that black kid was walking away from the cop and he was shot like 18 times, the ones who arrested that cop for doing the shooting were other cops. There is no systemic violence against African Americans by cops today. There are individual acts of misconduct that do occur because we have a million cops doing a million different things every day. There's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be felons committed by cops. Cops are going to make errors. But 99.9% of the cops are doing what's right every day, all the time, and what's correct in this country. So to have a, quote, movement against law enforcement, a movement that defaces the American flag is despicable, and to have the National Football League weigh in on the side of Black Lives Matter, who incite cop killers to kill more cops, is despicable. Unbelievable. And it's, you, your point, you made the uh, very... Uh, the greatest point that you've said today, not the point, but it points out the hypocrisy. You can't, they couldn't even, they couldn't even express their, their remorse for the five lost in Baton Rouge. They can't do they it. They weren't even allowed to do that. No, they, they, there were two killed in Baton Rouge, five, and there were two in New York City, uh, Lou and Ramos. There was the black nationalists from Baltimore who listened to the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter who traveled to New York City about two years ago, and hunted down two cops in uniform and assassinated them. And because of Black Lives Matter, do you recall in New York City, hundreds and thousands marching around, what do we want, dead cops, and when do we want them now? Do you recall that? Oh, no, no. no I've never seen anything like this. I never, that happened in New York City. And when it happened, and there was a funeral of a dead cop, the cops in NYPD turned their backs on Comrade de Blasio. And so you have cops killed because of the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter, and President Obama invited the founders of that group into the White House. And how much media outrage was there for that? Zero. 
Zilch. Nada. Didn't happen. At no point did Obama condemn Black Lives Matter. Condemn them. Hell, he invited them to the White House. Michael, we got to go. Thanks for your call. Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. And if you're not a subscriber yet to CRTV, get a full week free. I love the word free right now. Try it out. Give them a call at uh, 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. Call now. Now, let me say this first. We've got thousands and whole millions are listening. I wish the president would focus like a laser beam on tax reform, on Obamacare repeal and replacement. I got no problem with the Graham Cassidy bill. Whatever it is, it's got to be done. Focus like a laser beam on taxes. Supposedly on Wednesday, he's going to come out with the tax plan. Focus like a laser beam on North Korea. That could nuke us at any moment. Or the three and a half million Puerto Ricans suffering. Or the two and a half million Houstonians, Texas suffering. Or those in southwest Florida, southeast Florida still recovering from Hurricane Irma. I mean, between you and me. All the yelling and screaming aside, and I love to yell and scream because I get fired up. I'm like Mark Levin a little bit. I got a fire burning in my belly that sometimes smolders and sometimes ensnares even the most objective analysis. I'll say this. I wish this president would spend more time on the issues that impact and affect the lives of average Americans. The NFL protest, in a sense, is a cultural collapse by the by the football league in disrespecting law enforcement and loving Black Lives Matter, which is a tremendously corrosive influence in the black community. If you listen to Black Lives Matter and Al Sharpton and you live out the way they want you to live your life in the black community, you're going to end up in, in dastardly poverty. You're going to have no work. You're going to be functionally illiterate. You're going to be in bad shape and you're going to hate cops. You're going to end up in jail committing crime and violating the precepts and the and the honor of those living in your own community. Yes, you will. It's a terrible way to live your life. Look how those living in Detroit, South Central L.A., the south side of Chicago, most of Harlem living their life. Look how the lives are being led, and you don't want to do that. Most who can get out, get out. So that is not the path to be on at all. In fact, in a sense, highly paid football players, 70% are black, have in a sense lived out the American dream, worked hard, worked smart, rose up, about million, millions are playing football. There's only a few in the National Football League. Yes, that's good. But what the league has done has taken something positive and made it something quite negative. What they've done is ruin the enjoyment of the game by average Americans who pay the bills. I would say 70% of those who attend the games are Trump supporters. Most of the owners are Trump supporters. Now, do I wish Trump would focus like a laser beam on taxes and North Korea and government spending, and Obamacare, and the Iranian deal. Absolutely. Time and his voice are about the two main assets of any American president. So when this president wastes his magnificent talents on piddlings or irrelevancies, he does not advance the cause of average Americans. What your taxes are, whether you work, the cost of your health care, whether North Korea nukes you, those are important things. 
whether Dak Prescott tonight with the Dallas Cowboys kneels, prays, and snares or whatever is not too important. It's a cultural cue as to where the NFL is. The NFL thinks it's acceptable to have a president in office named Obama who invites to his house, the White House, those who incite cop killers to murder cops. That's acceptable to the No Fun League. They didn't do a thing for eight years with Obama. But here, in an off-the-cuff remark, you have the current president, 45, saying something off the teleprompter that took about six to ten players protesting and made it about two to three hundred players protesting, which they took the bait. Now, the NFL is going to go the way of MSESPN and be self-destructive. I'm watching the National Football League commit financial suicide. And I'm watching it going on, and seemingly they can't stop. Because Black Lives Matter represents, and the cop haters, the philosophy of ESPN and most of the mainstream media. They're with Obama, they're with Black Lives Matter, they're with black nationalists, and they're against the interest of average Americans. So let's continue. The line becomes available, 877-381-3811. It's unbelievable to watch the death of the National Football League. And God help Michigan or Illinois or or, uh, Georgia Tech or Alabama, Southern Cal or Florida, if they follow the same route and start protesting in this way, trying trying to undermine the law enforcement in our community, which is the thin blue line between civilization and anarchy. Bill Cunningham, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. I'm Bill Cunningham, the great American in for Mark Levin. Should be back tomorrow night. One last thought before I continue with Dave and uh, Kelly and Joe and Ray and Sean and many others. There's a canard put out by Wolf Blitzer of CNN and others that somehow the president uh, did not make outrageous enough comments about the white supremacists in Charlottesville vis-a-vis what he said about the so-called black players in the No Fun League or the NBA. In reality, there was no racial component whatsoever to the comments of the president on Friday night. He dealt with behavior, not standing for the national anthem, and not race. And going back over some of the criticisms the president has had the last year and a half he's been in public office, in, in his brief career, Trump has criticized by tweet or otherwise, practically every part of American life, black, white, male, female, Jew, Gentile, Catholic, and otherwise. For example, he's virtually criticized every major institution in America. In addition to criticizing the performance and the acts of those who don't stand for the national anthem. He's gone after the Congress. He's gone after Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, both white males. He's gone after the court system, including one Mexican heritage judge, but many other judges who are white males. He's gone after Democrats who are white and black, gone after Republicans who are white and male. He's gone after every news media organization, including Fox News, dominated by white males. He's gone after the Department of Justice, dominated by white lawyers. He's gone after Hollywood in a serious way. The, uh, the Clooney's and the Damon's and all the rest, all are white males. He's gone after NATO, which are all, all white males. 
He's gone after the intelligence agencies, James Comey and Clapper, who are white males. He's gone after the cast of Hamilton, who uh, tend to be African-American, but also some others. He's gone after the cast of Saturday Night Live, mainly white uh, males and females. Heck, he's gone after the Pope. He went after Pope Francis, who I think is a white male. He's gone after professional sports. He's gone after Jeff Sessions, who's a white attorney general. In other words, he's tried to offend almost everybody in the whole country, irrespective of race. One, one, one expert said that the Trump credo seems to be so many people to attack in so little time. He goes after everybody. Do I wish this guy wouldn't stir the pot so much? Absolutely. But for Wolf Blitzer and others to say he only talks about black males is a lie, a damnable lie, and it's a canard. And one other thing, when he said there were good people on both sides, he wasn't talking about that Friday night in Charlottesville when white males walked around with torches in a southern city. That is stupid. He was talking about the events on Saturday in which hundreds showed up to uh, encourage the monuments of the Confederacy to remain, as opposed to the hundreds that showed up in order to cause violence from the Antifa element. And so you twist and turn what the president says, which is easy to do, to fit in the pigeonhole of your own bias and prejudice. And as an American, I don't feel too strongly about the Confederacy or about uh, the images on Stone Mountain. I don't care too much about the Confederate generals who declared war on the United States of America. I don't care much about Stonewall Jackson or Robert E. Lee or Jefferson Davis. They're not my guys. Anybody who declares war on the United States of America and causes the death of 600,000 people are not my kind of people at all. We want nothing to do with them. You know what I'm saying? I want nothing to do with them. I'm not a great defender of the Confederacy. Never have and never will be. Don't like it. They declared war on the United States of America. But the goal of Antifa and the radical leftist are not to take down the statues. That's not their goal. Their goal is to call the founders of this country white supremacists so that the documents they wrote are ignored and forgotten. And that a brand new socialist manifesto can arise from the ashes of all the monuments and the statues in the mountains celebrating the Confederacy and have something else take over the place of the United States Constitution. You see, that's the real goal. So the goal of the National Football League, directly stated by Roger Goodell, is to bring down law enforcement to criticize the American flag that drapes the coffin of dead American soldiers. The goal is to promote Black Lives Matter, which is a progressive left-wing terror group paid for by George Soros, whose rhetoric incentivizes murderers to kill cops. And more cops are being dead. Not enough cops are dead. That's the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter. Can you smell what I'm cooking? And so what's going on here is that the president is rather inartful in his use of the language, and he's wasting time on piddlings and irrelevancies. So many big things are happening this week. Puerto Rico, Irma, Harvey, North Korea, repeal and replace Obamacare by Friday. Is that big stuff? He shouldn't spend a second worried about who's attending the National Football League protest approved by Roger Goodell, who's a left-wing liberal progressive idiot. Roger Goodell is an idiot, and the players took the bait. They shouldn't have done it, but they're stupid, and they did. For eight years, we had a clown and a fool in the White House 
that I didn't care for at all, but I never thought to take my dislike of Obama and translate it to the destruction of the country or not respecting the American flag or hurting the American soldiers or tearing down the military. At no point did I transfer Obama's failures in office to the American flag. That's what the left is doing today. They want to conflate the two principles, that America stands against Donald J. Trump when that is not the case. Where I live and the people I speak to are horrified by what the National Football League did yesterday and may continue to do the next few weeks. I will not pay for a protest. I will not pay for a principle that I found so disreputable as tearing down law enforcement. And that's how Colin Kaepernick began over a year ago. He began with the idea that cops were brutalizing African-Americans in cities controlled by Democrats, right? Practically every large American city is controlled by what? Democrats. So if the rights of the citizens in Baltimore are not complete, the Democratic Party has been in charge in that city for the last 50 to 60 years. One might ask, therefore, one might ask, isn't the Democratic Party once again responsible, not just for the Ku Klux Klan or for Jim Crow laws or lynchings? The Democratic Party is responsible, in, in my mind, if what they're saying is true, for the destruction of the black community in cities dominated by African-American politicians who are all Democrats. Democrats. In fact, you can't elect a Republican in almost any large city in America today. They're all what? Democrats. So if the rights of African-Americans in these cities are not complete, which political party is responsible? It's the Democrats, not the Republicans, not Trump. And if there needs to be criminal justice reform, for example, in New York City, who in the hell is in charge of that? Isn't it Comrade de Blasio? Isn't it the city council in New York City, all of whom are Democrats or socialists or communists? Isn't it Mayor Cuomo? Isn't he responsible? If one's rights are not complete in Baltimore, they're all Democrats. In Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, they're all Democrats. Rahm Emanuel, the mayor, just had 40 African-Americans shot this weekend. And what became of that? Nothing. Any protests? Nothing. Run of the mill? Nothing. The average eighth grader in Chicago public schools read at about the third grade level. And the average black 18-year-old high school graduate reads at the seventh grade level. Who's responsible for that? Democrats. What if the NFL player said, wait a minute, we're going to have an urban agenda that focuses on education, job, and family formation. I'm with you. The NFL wouldn't approve of it. It's not radical enough for Roger Goodell. Not radical nearly enough. So why can't we have a National Football League game that promotes football and unity and love and not the hatred of cops and the tearing down of institutional cultural symbols that undergird and underpin the American civilization. Let's continue. We have Kelly. Let's go to Kelly in Omaha, Nebraska. Kelly in Omaha, go ahead. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Go ahead, Kelly. Hey, Bill, you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you for sitting in for Mark today. Yes. Oh, my goodness, bro. You have been preaching my story all day, all night today. I'm with you. You have been preaching it 100% truth. You know, they are employees of the NFL, a private company. They don't have the right to that free speech. They fine them all day long for other stuff, but not this. I mean, if they want to take up arms and they want to promote a cause, let them put their money where their mouth is on their own time, start their own organization, 
pay for people to sit there and get their message out on their own time. If they try to sit there and protest by not showing up for practice, let's see how long you got a job then. You won't do that. But you're going to sit there and go ahead and sit on the sideline during their time on your employee's dollar right there, employer's dollar, and disrespect other people who have fought for this country, myself included, my brother, my father, my grandfathers. It's disrespectful. You know, you go to Iran or Turkey or something like that, you show the bottom of your shoe to some leader, I guarantee you, you're not going to be around much longer. It is disrespectful, and they will get you every time. Uh, Kelly, one other thing. If I want to go, you're in Omaha, you're there in the land of Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway employs tens of thousands of people. Bees Candies is one of the best in the world. If I go into a Berkshire Hathaway business and I go there in order to buy some candy and the clerk on the other side starts talking to me about abortion and that she wants me to understand her position on abortion and I'm trying to buy some chocolate pecans, at least I have the right to say at that point, you know what, I'm leaving, I'm buying my candy elsewhere. If I'm a cable subscriber and I'm paying every month to watch the National Football League. I don't have a choice at that point whether to watch that protest or not, of which I'm not a part. If I go to Darden restaurants and go to Red Lobster or I go to Olive Garden, uh, and if some server comes up to me and talks about North Korea or global warming or whatever the hell it is, her employer would probably tell her, you know what, we're here to serve salad and soup. We're here to serve some ice cream or candy. We're not in the political business, even though you got the First Amendment right to talk. You don't have the First Amendment right to talk at work. The First Amendment applies to government, does not apply to private business. So, therefore, quit what you're doing, and if you keep doing it, get the hell out of here. For the last year, the National Football League has permitted Colin Kaepernick and those of his ilk to protest so-called police brutality game after game after game after game, and by acquiescence approved of it. Now it's grown so much larger because of the Trumpster. As a football fan, if I pay hundreds of dollars to go into a stadium, I'm not paying to become part of a protest. I'm not paying for that. Absolutely. You shouldn't have to. You know, I'm there to watch a football game. I'm not here there to watch you protest against whatever other cause you've got going on. If you were protesting the football game, then don't show up. But if you're going to protest any other cause outside of football – you do it on your own time, on your own dime. If it's that important to you, put your money behind your mouth and get out there and start your own organization and, and, and put out your propaganda and stuff like that. See how many people follow that. It's Like you said earlier, it's financial suicide for them all. I just read a headline that came across my iPhone earlier today. Uh, some NFL player, his jersey sales are on the rise. Fill in the waiver of the Steelers. Fill in the waiver. Absolutely. See – he is not – he's smart. He's not like the others, and his stock is going to rise. The others are going to fall. They're going to see it's going to fall. Colin Kaepernick's already fallen because he's not employed. You know? I, get well, Kelly, what they're doing, like ESPN, like Hollywood, like all the other institutions that are in the business of selling their products to 325 million Americans, you can't be in the business alienating – 
50% of your fan base to start off with false claims of police brutality uh, in a systemic way, and it's it's a lie. It's, it's as if saying that police departments controlled by the Democratic Party are brutalizing African Americans. If that is true, how come African Americans in urban areas vote Democratic 90% of the time if those Democratic politicians in charge of the police department are brutalizing blacks on a regular basis? It is a canard. It's a lie. It's a slime job. Because if, in fact, the Baltimore City Police... We're in the business systemically uh, of hurting people like Freddie Gray in Baltimore. The Democratic politicians in charge of the police department would have been chased from office decades ago. But the Democrats always win in Democratic-controlled areas because that lie against city cops is not true. If it was true, the political differences, the electoral difference would become manifest. we got to run, Kelly. Thanks for your call. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Billy Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. And if you're not a subscriber yet to CRTV, get a full week free. I love if it's free, it's for me right now. Try it out. Give them a call today at 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV for a free week right now. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV. One last thought before I go back to the American people. We have uh, Ray in uh, Brunel, Florida will be first, and then Roy and Glory and many others. Terry Bradshaw, as you know, won uh, four Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers, an organization that's become extremely radical because their head coach, Mike Tomlin, is uh, messing with uh, Villanueva, the great offensive lineman, saying he was looking for 100% participation in the protest. And because this one person was a man of conscience, Villanueva, who spent three tours of duty in Afghanistan, an Army Ranger, he wasn't going to be in some tunnel. He was going to go out and uh, reflect the glories of this nation because he watched his fellow soldiers be killed in Afghanistan. He's under assault now from his head coach and God knows might be released. But Terry Bradshaw said yesterday morning before one of the games, quote, while I don't condone the protest during our national anthem, this is America, Bradshaw said. If our country stands for anything, folks, it's freedom. People died for that freedom. I'm not sure if our president understands those rights, that every American has the right to speak out and also to protest, unquote. No, they don't. Not at work. Are you kidding me? FedEx employees have the right to protest at work. They have the right to express thoughts under freedom of speech that you as a consumer receiving a package may disagree with? Of course not. Can we get rid of this loose idea that the Constitution protects private employer-employee rights? That is a canard, it's a lie, and it's not true. But it keeps going around as if it is. Drives me frigging crazy when there's such loose talk of what the Constitution is. One does not have the right to practice religion at work. If you're a truck driver, you work for J.B. Hunt, you mean to tell me you can tell your employer for two hours today, instead of driving a truck to Nashville, I'm going to practice my religion, I'm going to go to church and pray the rosary. I'm not going to work today because I got the right not to work under the U.S. Constitution. Are you kidding me? 
Is Terry Bradshaw that stupid? Is he suffering from more CTE than I thought possible? Don't be stupid if you're a Fox broadcaster. Don't be stupid. Well, let's continue with more. Light them up when we continue. Mike and Roy and uh, John and Gloria and Ray will be next. If a line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham in for Mark Levin. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American in for Mark Levin, should be back tomorrow night. Great to have this unbelievable platform to talk about what's happened culturally, politically, socially, economically in the country. Let's continue with your calls. I'll make a commitment to Richard Semena, the producer of the Mark Levin Show, that if you're on hold, I will get to you in the next 35 to 40 minutes. So we have calls from Dallas and Brentwood, California, and Bunnell, Florida, and Huntington Beach, and Bainbridge, Georgia, many places in between. And so we're going to get all the calls on because I want as many people as possible to reflect your viewpoints from Alaska to Florida, from Maine to Hawaii, and every county in between because this is an important issue. It's not about life or death. It's not about North Korea. It's not about the repealing and replacing Obamacare. It's not about the disaster in Puerto Rico. It's not about tax reform. But it's something which forms the foundation of the civilization, the American century that we're living in. Because when Colin Kaepernick started this journey about a year ago, his goal was to give trumpet and give voice to the precepts of Black Lives Matter and to criticize what he perceived as police brutality. And now because what the, what the Trumpster did Friday night, instead of uh, five to ten players, it's three to four hundred players, thinking that somehow because of what Trump said, it is germane to their life and they must respond. To me, there's a significant difference between supporting the president or loving the country or opposing the president and hating the country. We all spent, as normal Americans, eight years hating the policies of Barack Hussein Obama, especially when it came to his hatred of cops and the fact that he welcomed into the White House those who caused individuals, police officers, to be killed in Dallas and Baton Rouge and New York City. Obama invites the insiders of cop killers to the White House. It went on and on and on. I've given you some homework tonight. Google Black Lives Matter slash White House and watch how many stories were written many times in just the alternative media as to what the president was doing to incentivize and encourage Black Lives Matter's rhetoric that resulted in the murder of cops. And when all that was going on for months and years, not one time did Obama criticize the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter. Not one time, to my knowledge, did the National Football League or any athletic organization come out in favor of police officers and against Black Lives Matter. It didn't happen. The one time Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys asked the National Football League for permission to take the decals supporting those five dead Dallas cops murdered at a Black Lives Matter protest and put that on the side of a helmet, Goodell said, no, you cannot support dead cops. Think about that. When Robert Griffin III wore a T-shirt 
during a uh, post uh, post game news conference that said, "quote No Jesus, no peace." NFL find him. There were many occasions over the years when activists in the league wanted to do certain things. In each time, Roger Goodell said no, no, and no. It's part of our rule book, so to speak, that we don't use the uniform to promote good or bad social causes because that's all we're going to do. But for some reason, starting over a year ago, Roger Goodell looked at the protest of Colin Kaepernick and found it acceptable to support an organization that incites cop killers. NFL said that's okay. And then on Friday night, Trump became the accelerant, and from a few dozen, it went to a few hundred. And now it's burning. And in the, in the ages, at the DNA level of this dispute that erupted yesterday and continues tonight through next week and maybe longer, is the destruction of the National Football League. ESPN has become MS-ESPN. It's become all political all the time, promoting left-wing, radical, alt-left, progressive causes constantly, with uh, Caitlyn Jenner being their woman of the year. They promote a left-wing cause, which is causing the destruction of ESPN. Why the NFL is doing it to itself is beyond me. All it would have taken for Roger Goodell is to call in Colin, Colin Kaepernick last year and say, look, I may agree with what you're saying, that cops are brutal murderers. However, we have not permitted, and here's the list of things we have stopped in their tracks, you must stop doing what you're doing or you'll be suspended. It's up to you. He did not do that. And now this little ember, this flame of hatred toward police and American society is burning brightly. And now it's going to be harder to, to, to put aside those flames and to put those flames out let's continue with their calls we have thousands on hold millions are listening let's go to ray in florida first been there about an hour and ray bill cunningham in for mark levin ray please go ahead <laughs> bill, I, man i'm so fired up i don't know where to start man <laughs> thanks for taking my call yes sir um I, you know i remember when i was a kid there was a, a coach billy cunningham filled off his 76ers that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in the Basketball Hall of Fame in Ohio, scored 25 a game in high school. I'm a one handicapper, but that was not me, the left-hander. I am not that Billy Cunningham. Okay, congratulations on that. But anyway, I, I guarantee you, I, I think I can guarantee it, that if he, if he was still a coach today in this world, he would not stand up. Or Let me rephrase that. He, he would not. Put up with his players taking the knee uh, to honor our flags. Do you agree? I don't think. I think of Mike Ditka. I think of Vince Lombardi. I think of the great coaches in all sports. They have to be about the goal of winning football games or winning basketball games or shooting low scores in golf or playing a good game in tennis. For, you know, sport is a uniter of different political viewpoints under the banner of something different than politics. And because we're so political today, because of MSNBC and Fox News and, and all the websites, we're so political today, it has been useful to have sports as a great uniter instead of a great divider. Why the NFL would encourage the hatred of police officers 
is beyond me. Because I think about that mother, that Gold Star mother, that had the American flag placed in her lap, and she liked watching NFL games because of the unfurled flag, the respect shown to the flag that symbolizes our country. And when you have Gold Star mothers who accepted the flag at their son's funeral, draped on that coffin, placed on her lap, and she goes to bed at night with that flag on her bosom, reminding her of her son, and then to have the National Football League engage in activities purposely that disrespects and smears the American flag is the kind of behavior to me that is almost unforgivable. I, I, I can only agree 100% with you. Let me uh, let me make this quick so somebody else can jump in here. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, yeah. um, he, he became a hero to me. Uh, today, um, not just from what he's done in the military for us, uh, but then on one of the breaks, I pulled up ESPN on the computer, and he's apologizing for right. letting his team down. I'm like, come on, dude, really? Uh, I saw that about an hour ago, Villanueva, according to Villanueva, there was a plan that he and Roethlisberger hatched to have the leaders or captains of the team come about 20 feet in front of the team and stand there together. And he claims tonight, for some reason, he got his wires crossed. It was a small area and that he apologized to the team for stepping. And so the reason for Villanueva going, being there, I thought he was a, a ranger. He, he went to U.S. Military Academy, West Point, served in Afghanistan. And now an hour or so ago, somebody got to him. Maybe Mike Tomlin, who said that he was disappointed in Villanueva's behavior. And now Ben Roethlisberger, look at a quote from Ben, Big Ben, said that I didn't go to sleep last night. I wasn't comfortable with what we did. So, hell, I don't know what the heck's going on. I have no idea. I don't either. And, and if Big Ben will stand up for, for you and me and, and the rest of this country instead of, uh, you know, the NFL, um, I, I will become a Big Ben fan. One last thing. I personally know two people buried at Arlington Cemetery. Um, uh, one of my best friends I grew up with, her parents are both buried there. I would be more than happy to spend my last dime to jump on an airplane, go to Arlington Cemetery, visit their grave sites, than to spend one last dime to go see an NFL game. Why would the NFL commit economic suicide? I'm watching it going on. It's happening hour by hour. It's awful. Why does the NFL sleep with the dogs of the Black Lives Matter movement, which uh, incentivize violence against police officers? Why do they do that? What's their advantage? Well, I, I don't get what Roger Goodell has done to the league, and I don't get the owners, most of them, standing up to say, you know what, we, we don't care about the dead Dallas cops we don't care about the victims of 9-11. We don't care about the victims of domestic violence. We don't care about Jesus Christ. What we care about are those who incite cop killers. That's who we care about. Why is the NFL doing this? I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> just suicide in my eyes. So I, I might have just watched my last NFL game this past weekend. And um, I, I hate to say that out loud. I'm a big Tampa Bay Bucks fan. But I'll tell you what, Jerry Jones. I'm, I'm, as much as I hated him at the beginning and what he did to the Dallas Cowboys when he yeah. took over, yeah. uh, I'm proud. I'm proud to to you know at least believe what he's saying. And he stood yeah. up and, and said, 
<laughs> well, tonight he is. But Ray, we got to go. Thanks for your call. And uh, and I'll say this: the NFL quickly, if that's America's uh, pastime, and if the Dallas Cowboys are America's team, they need to quickly Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday get out of this. They've made their point. They must move on. When you're in a hole, the first order of business is to quit digging. The NFL, if they think, I know ESPN has lost its way completely, but if the NFL realizes what 70% of their customers feel about what they're doing, the NFL had better stop it and stop it right now because they're going down the wrong path. There's going to be sponsor boycotts. There's going to be booze galore this coming this next Sunday. There's going to be individuals who will never watch an NFL game again and demand a refund of their cable money package. And season ticket holders will, will throw away their tickets in mass. The NFL had better recognize that when you incentivize those who want cops dead to use your platform to promote that murderous message, you're probably on the wrong path. They better stop it. And if they don't, the NFL will be destroyed as a business. Let's continue. Bill Cunningham, the great American, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Bill Cunningham, the great American, uh, coming up uh, will be Roy and then uh, Joseph and Tim and Gloria at the game tonight uh, between the Cowboys and the Cardinals. The uh, teams uh, joined arms, Jerry Jones included, and took a knee. And so I don't know exactly what all this means. I live in confusing times. The uh, Arizona Cardinals also joined arms and at some point took a knee. And I don't know what the hell that means. I may take a knee myself in an hour or two. I, hell, in protest, I may take a knee. I just wasn't raised this way. This is not the way I live my life, showing disrespect to the American flag. Lots of boos are heard at the Arizona Stadium tonight, and I, I don't know. I don't know what this means. Locking arms, and uh, also they took the American flag and went over the entire field and Jerry Jones, I thought, said that he was going to be difficulties if anyone showed disrespect to the American flag. According to uh, certain guidelines that may or may not exist, the players are supposed to take a helmet in the left arm and put the right hand over the heart. That seemingly did, that did not happen tonight at the NFL game. And uh, the players locked arms, including Jerry Jones and I think his son and uh, the head coach Garrett, et cetera, and they locked arms. And at one point they knelt, and Jordan Sparks sang the national anthem. And and uh, to me, I don't know what the hell that means. Is that disrespect? To me, you respect the flag by taking your damn helmet in your left arm, take your right hand over your heart, and the song is sung for like a minute and ten seconds. And you look at the American flag and show respect uh, for the stars and for the bars, the 50 states, the 13 original colonies, colonies and the colors. That's what you do as Americans. That's what you're supposed to do. And so as long as the NFL goes down this path of protest and dislike and hatred and disgust, it's a problem. It's not good. It's a mistake. It's hurtful. It doesn't help the country. Do not conflate 
your disagreement with the political character on one hand with respect for the country on the other. Among the most divisive political characters in the last 30 or 40 years have been, from the Democratic side, Bush 43. Hated, hated, hated by the Democrats. On the Republican side, Barack Hussein Obama, hated, hated by the Republicans, and now we're back the other way with the Trumpster, hated by the Democrats. He has about 90% support by the Republicans. And so we may disagree with the policies of a character in office, but from my way of thinking, that has nothing to do with respect and love for the United States of America and the American flag that symbolizes the greatness of the greatest country in the world, the greatest country in the history of the world, is the United States of America. To me, the two things are completely different. During the eight years of the scandals and the failures of Barack Hussein Obama, at no point did Bill Cunningham or Mark Levin say, you know what, I'm going to show disrespect to the American flag. I'm going to spit, burn, step on the American flag. When I'm on national television, I want to promote some cause other than Americanism and the American civilization and the American culture. At no point did Mark Levin or I ever say that, because that's not what we feel. We feel something completely different. I don't feel that. I feel love and respect for this country, the country of my forebears. And so I may disagree with a political character, that is Obama, and maybe today for some Trump. But that does not mean that I will disrespect the American flag or the American people and the symbols of our country's greatness. So tonight in Arizona, from my perspective, it continued. And somehow Jerry Jones, who stood up against it allegedly, is locked arm in arm with the players and genuflected or went to his knees. Phil Cunningham in for Mark Levin. of freedom is high but this phone call is not call mark levin toll free at 877-381-3811 i'm billy cunning and the great american let's continue now with your calls we have roy in dallas texas the home of the cowboys playing tonight in arizona and roy welcome to the mark levin show hosted by bill cunningham roy please go ahead thank you sir i appreciate the kind words and the passion you're putting into your program and also expressing uh, your fine remarks regarding the Dallas police officers when we had that tragedy here July of last year. However, we are still hemorrhaging officers down here in Dallas. Sure. As you've indicated during your program about Democratic mayor leadership. Sure. We do have a mayor down here in Dallas, Mike Rollins, who has technically – turn his back on the men and women of both the Dallas Police Department and the Dallas Fire Department. Sure. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, just to give the general public an idea of the organization of Black Lives Matter, they had the chapter of Black Lives Matter, which is referred to as Next Generation Action, that was led by a convicted felon, Dominique Anderson, for Injury. He was convicted for injury to a child. He was rearrested again for violating his 
terms of his probation. A Democratic district court judge reduced the sentence and released him back into the public. Perfect. Recently, Dominique Anderson was rearrested in Denton County for felony theft. Sure. Absolutely. And uh, we have the lowest morale right now in the Dallas Police Department and Dallas Fire. We are at our lowest numbers at this point. The city council, the mayor, and the city attorney, the new city attorney, uh, excuse me, city manager they brought in, T.C. Broadnax, we are only going to have 250 officers limited for a budget to, to hire. Since December of last year, we have lost close to 500 Dallas officers. Wow. We used to have a force of nearly 3,400 officers on the street and also manning the investigative units. We are deeply underrepresented here. I feel strongly, too, that in your comments, you should be also be holding responsible Eric Holder, Loretta Lynch, and Rob sure. Manuel as well. Sure. Because what happened? What happened in Charlottesville about six weeks ago was terrible. I mean, the white supremacist that killed that woman, I think her name is Hoyer or whatever that woman's name, that guy, it was either murder or manslaughter, should go to prison for a long time. And, Ob and Trump has done nothing but catch flack for the past two months. His condemnation was not as complete as it should have been by some. I thought it was sufficient. But now transferred to, to Dallas in July of uh, 20, uh, 2014. Was it, 24, it was 2016. In July of 2016, you had a Black Lives Matter protest guarded by hundreds of Dallas cops. During the protest, a black nationalist under the leadership of Black Lives Matter killed in cold blood five Dallas cops. Within one week, the founders of Black Lives Matter were in Washington, D.C., meeting in the White House with the president who offered support for Black Lives Matter. What message did that send to Dallas cops? Didn't send a very good message at all. I tell you, in regard, you know, it, we've, we're losing officers weekly, and it, it's going to continue. Even though they hired a new chief of police, they brought down here from Detroit. It's going to continue. It's not going to stop. No. And, and so what's happening in Dallas is happening all over the country. In St. Paul, Minnesota, there was a protest about Philando Castro, one of the persons involved in... Uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, a Black Lives Matter had one of their supporters throw concrete at a cop, hit the cop in the head the wrong way, and put the cop in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And the woman urging uh, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, was invited to the White House. Her name was Brittany Packnett. You tell me what message is sent to cops and law enforcement when Barack Hussein Obama had dinner with and partied with the leaders of an organization advocating the murder of cops. And what did the national media do? Was there any point where the national media demanded that Obama condemn Black Lives Matter? Did that ever happen one time? No. No. And so, but with Trump, every time somebody, something happens with somebody with white skin, it is required of every Republican and, and, and the president to come out quickly and condemn whatever it is as if someone is in favor of racial inequality or somebody's in favor of racial profiling or someone's in favor of brutalizing African-Americans. Nobody I know is in favor of any, any of that stuff. 
But on one side of the equation, you have the president inviting the insiders of cop killers to the White House. And if, if Trump had invited the insiders of the violence in Charlottesville to the White House, uh, it wouldn't be fair to say all hell would break loose. He would be indicted. I mean, something terrible would happen to Trump. But Obama did exactly that for years, inviting Al Sharpton and Black Lives Matter into the White House, complimenting them and never criticizing them. It undermines law enforcement and makes you feel as if no one's got my back. Well, Trump right now, don't you as a retired cop, Roy, feel as if Donald J. Trump has your back? Absolutely, he does, as well as uh, Vice President of the United States Pence does. Did you have that feeling under Obama? No, I did not. And Eric Holder? I sure did not. And Loretta Lynch? Did not. And not one time did the media demand that Obama condemn the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter. Not one time. I was in New York City doing my TV show when I saw thousands of New Yorkers marching around shouting, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Went on for night after night after night. Within a few weeks... Officers Ramos and Lou were shot in cold blood in a police cruiser from a black nationalist from Baltimore who believed the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter, and he went to New York where the Black Lives Matter group was, shout was shouting to, dead to shoot cops now. He went and did it. And not nobody even thought to say to Obama, do you think the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter incentivized the murder of cops? Those words never came out of the mouth of any reporter during all the press conferences in the White House. It never happened one time. And when Holder and Lynch overtook police departments, generally in areas controlled by Democrats, and said to those Democrats in charge of police departments, you're racist, nobody ever made the connection between the fact that allegedly police brutality is happening in the black community controlled completely by Democrats. If that was the case, I would assume the residents of those cities would vote out of office, the Democrats in charge of police brutality. But nobody in the media ever made that connection either. It's going to take the voters to take a stand. Well, Roy, I don't know. We kind of get the government, we get the country we deserve. you know. And, and right now, the main entity that I blame are the American people who live in those areas. The American people living in those areas accept no public schools that work, high crime areas, no jobs are being created, no family formation, and the party in charge of all that collapse are the Democrats who keep getting 90% of the vote. How is that possible? How is that possible? If you live in the south side of Chicago, you had 40 people shot over this past weekend. This year there's going to be four to 5,000 shot and 800 murdered and you can't find a Republican with a search warrant anywhere in Chicago? How's that possible? How can't the voters on the south side of Chicago, headquartered with Obama and Jackson and Louis Farrakhan, you look at not years but decades of their leadership in the south side of Chicago, it is a hellhole. Cops are being shot. Drugs are being sold. Prostitutes are being prostituted. Human trafficking is going on. The schools, terrible. The criminal activity is rampant. There's no jobs anywhere. And the Democrats have been in charge for more than a half a century. You tell me, Roy, why doesn't somebody make the connection between the failure of the Democrat Party in one hand and the horrible status of urban black Americans on the other? Why doesn't somebody make that connection? 
I don't have all. I don't have an answer. I'm with you, man. I'd like to know. Okay, if going to a Washington D.C. public school is a disaster, if going to I I don't I've never been to Dallas. You tell me what is the condition of the Dallas public schools when it comes to the African American population in Dallas? What's their condition? Condition is not very good, especially when the Hispanics are above the African Americans here in Dallas now. Yeah, the from, ISD, yeah. Dallas Independent School District is in, in turmoil right now also. Probably there's fights every day between the Hispanics and African Americans. There's little economic opportunity. There's no education. If Dallas public schools are typical, the eighth grade black reads at about the third grade level. And by the time they graduate at 18, they read at about the eighth grade level. And they get out of school with this diploma that is worthless. And the party in charge of that, I would assume in Dallas and the city proper, are all Democrats. And now the Democratic Party and NAACP is suing the Trump administration, the NAACP wanting more illegal migration from third world poverty countries to come into Dallas, come into Houston, come into Texas, come into New York City, when, when the influx of low-skilled workers hurt African-Americans more than any other racial group, correct? Those are the groups correct. being hurt, and the NAACP is suing Trump to get more illegals into the country. How is that possible? How does that make any sense? In what world do they live? How does this Bill really? How does this you. continue? Absolutely, Bill. What does it tell you when you have a Dallas mayor that wants to continue setting up a sanctuary city rather than being concerned with hiring Dallas officers and Dallas fire and protecting the citizens of the city of Dallas? Isn't that his job? To protect that is his it, job. All right, but well no, he wants sanctuary city status, serving as a magnet for the most low-skilled, poverty-ridden, third-world human beings to flood into Dallas to go into the public schools, to go into the emergency rooms, to take the Section 8 housing, take the low-skilled jobs, to cause the crime, and as a consequence, how's Dallas better having thousands of low-skilled workers flooding in needing social services that doesn't speak of the English? How does that benefit Dallas? It just doesn't. Well, then why does he do it? What's happening? I'm losing my mind. How does that work in Los Angeles or San Francisco with Kate Steinle or Chicago or Memphis or Miami or New York City or Philadelphia or Boston? How is that good for the American culture to bring in from the third world low-skilled workers who don't speak the English that disproportionately use social services that can never get out of poverty? Do we need more tomato pickers in Boston? Do we need more potato pickers in Dallas? Do we need more low-skilled workers coming here? And I assume the mayor in Dallas wants them to come to Dallas. How does that benefit the African-Americans living in Dallas? How does that work, Roy? It's not working. No. So why does it continue? Roy, we got to go. Thanks. I don't understand this. How does the NAACP sue the Trump administration to get more illegals into the urban areas that hurts the black community? How does that work? Let's continue. The line becomes available, 877-381-3811. Bill Cunningham, the great American, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Hi, 
Billy Cunningham, the great American Inframarkle event. If you're not a subscriber yet to CRTV, get a full week for free right now and try it out. Give them a call today at 844-LEVIN-TV and join the media revolution. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV. Let's continue with more. Let's continue with Joseph in Washington, D.C. Joseph, welcome to the Mark Levin Show, hosted by the great American. Joseph, please go ahead. Thank you for having me on the show. I just want to say I'm a son of a, of a father that fought with General Patton, that a sister that was a prisoner of war in the Gulf War. And also I know that we have some players who raise the American flag all the time, who also have relatives that died in war, and they're very patriotic. And what they want help with, with the media, is that their issue, they feel, has gotten misunderstood and has gotten blown up. They don't disrespect the American flag, and they definitely don't disrespect the lives that have been sacrificed for freedom and justice. What they tried to do, okay, you know, just their money and their sports skills doesn't necessarily mean they have skills in raising social consciousness. And what they're really trying to do was talk about the national anthem, and only the national anthem, was the fact that in this age we need to have more peace, and the national anthem is a war song, basically. They really weren't trying to disrespect anyone, but, of course, they don't have skills on how to do what they wanted to do. So it got turned into an issue of they're disrespecting the flag, they don't hate they hate soldiers, and, and, so, and all the other issues that are going on of, about all these different things, the patriotism and terrorism and so on, got, got mixed in. So we call upon you for your help. They're just to say, should a country that represents the leadership of freedom and justice and equality and civil rights and all these things have a national anthem as a war song? Maybe they should have a song about love. This is a maybe. We don't really know. And all they really were trying to do was say, hey, look, we don't want to continue to do the saber rattling and the things that are going on with Korea and so on. Can we have a peace song or a love song? Well, Joe, how about this? I, I think God Bless America or America the Beautiful. Either one of those songs, I think, are fabulous. But for some reason, after the War of 1812, the uh, Francis Scott Keys wrote the, 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 the Star Spangled Banner. And for some reason, for good or ill, right or wrong, and, and I love God Bless America probably more than the Star Spangled Banner. But nonetheless, the nation is more or less has decided that the Star Spangled Banner takes precedence over God Bless America or America the Beautiful, both of which are great tunes. And so it depends your perspective on the Star Spangled Banner, whether or not you accept it as a war hymn of the War of 1812 or reflecting. And over the past decades, because that song is played at funerals, at commemorations, the song is played at sporting events, it's played at Arlington National Cemetery, it's played uh, at presidential inaugurals, that song, for good or ill, has taken precedence over the other two. And frankly, I like the other two better. And I hear you. I hear you on that again from a patriot. And so what they're trying to do is, again, they're not experienced on raising social consciousness and, and all that, particularly because now we even have the threat of nuclear war. They're trying to figure out what to do. And, of course, it's our national anthem. So definitely it's going to be played in all these different places where it's appropriate to play the national anthem. But should we now, in the age of, say, the 21st century now, think about it is what they're trying to do. And they didn't do it right. They, of course, they, they made it look like other things were happening. And, of course, you know, all the comments came out to now they're disrespecting the flag and hating soldiers. And that was never what, what the idea was. And that's still American Patriots just like all the other sports players yeah. are. Well, Joseph, I'll say this, and we got to conclude it. I'll say this. There are gold star mothers who take profound unhappiness at what's going on. Joseph, thanks for your call. Let's continue. Mark Levin should be back tomorrow night. My final statement to you would be this, is that the National Football League 
is in the entertainment and the football business. They're not in the political business. And the more time they spend doing politics, and the less time they spend on sports, the more time they're going to be a divisive organization that disrespects the viewpoints of about 70% of their audience. No business can long survive if you disrespect your audience and play, and play disrespect to the United States of America. It doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. And on my watch, it will not occur. Mark Levin, God willing, and the crick don't rise. We'll, we'll be with you back tomorrow night. Bill Cunningham, honored to be here. May God bless America.